So I want to talk to you a little bit about um, being a purposeful Christian. All right. So my question to you is, are you living a purposeful life or are you wandering aimlessly? Are you circling or spiraling? I'm going to talk to you about the difference. Are you circling or spiraling? Because life is a circular movement. We go through a 24-hour cycle, don't we? Right? We wake up in the morning, we go to sleep. Wake up in the morning, we go to sleep. Right? Do you know that we've completed five weeks this year? That means the sun has risen and set 37 times this year. It also means we've gone about our daily lives for 888 hours this year. Right? And we've made moment-by-moment decisions throughout 53,280 minutes of this year. So I want to ask you this question. How do you think you're doing so far? Would you describe yourself as a purposeful Christian or an aimless one? So this is what I want to do it. Uh, check on my own life and maybe I'll let you overhear what I'm talking about to myself. Are you circling or are you spiraling? To circle is to follow the same path over and over again without actually going anywhere. That's circling. It represents the aimless life. To spiral is to rotate around a fixed point while continuously increasing in distance. You see the difference, right? That represents a purposeful life. Obviously, we want to spiral upwards, right? We want to spiral forward. We don't want to spiral downwards, right? Um, But life is a circular movement. So while we develop healthy routines, we must avoid getting stuck in a rut. We want routines. We don't want a rut, right? So I want to, I think the best way to describe the life of going around in circles and the life of spiraling forward is to look at the first two generations of the nation of Israel. The first generation spent their entire lives for 40 years circling around a mountain. The second generation began their lives with God circling around a wall. And that's a big difference between circling a mountain and circling a wall. I'm going to tell you what I mean by this. So we look at the first generation. They spent 40 years circling around a mountain because of unbelief. Deuteronomy 1 verse 32 to 36 says this. That's Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 32 to 36. Even after all God did, You refuse to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. When the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore, not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see this land because he has followed the Lord completely. Look at the words that Moses uses. You refused to trust the Lord. It was intentional. It was a decision they made that they refused to trust the Lord. But can you see the 
frustration in this man as he writes this. Even after all God did. And he tells them, he reminds them what God did. In fact, there's plenty more that God did for them throughout those uh, years in the wilderness. They were only meant to be 11 days in the wilderness. They ended up 40 years by choice. Right? He said, even after all God did, God was looking for the best place for you to camp. Isn't that amazing? You are going through your routine day. You wake up in the morning, you go to sleep at night. But God is busy while you're asleep. He is looking for the best day for you tomorrow. While you go through your routine, He's not in a rut. He's not circling without intention. He's looking for the best place to camp. And then He guides you, right? With the pillar of fire. Why fire at night? Because if without that, you would be freezing cold. Why the cloud at the daytime? Because without that, you'd be scorched by the sun. And so here is God, busy, looking for the best life He can give you. That's the frustration Moses is having with these people. Because he can see it from a distance. Because he goes in and out of the presence of God and sees the goodness of God and walks out and sees that the goodness of God is coming down upon a people who refuse to receive from God. When the circumstances changed, they complained. When things got a bit hard, they rebelled. Then when the final decision came to move forward into the promised land, they rejected it and said no. They chose instead to move around and circle around Mount Sinai and the region of Mount Seir. And they never saw the promised land. They actually never experienced what God promised for them. They never experienced the best God could give them. That's the problem and tragedy of circling around a mountain. Living life in circular movements look like you're moving because you're growing older. You raise a family, you get promotions, your business grows, the digits in your bank balance increases. And so you're thinking, hey, I'm moving forward, right? You stack up life experiences, but you end up in a box without truly experiencing God's best for your life. That's the problem with circling around the mountain. But the second generation circled around a wall because of obedience. So I want to take you to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6. The second generation decided to follow God. They crossed the Jordan and they were heading towards the promised land. And Joshua chapter 6, the first five verses, um, you know the story. It's about the wall of Jericho. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the, and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. 
But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass that they, when they make a long blast with the ram horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. So that was God's promise. He promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. He promised them that you'll get to a place where you'll have my best for your life. And so they move forward with God. And what do they do? They hit a wall. Sounds familiar? You make a decision for God. And you say, yeah, this is, this is really what I feel God has called me to do. And then you hit a wall. So what do you do when you hit a wall? Get a headache. You, could, you have a choice. You could be like the first generation Israel. Go back to the mountain and just circle it. And say, that's too hard for me. I'm just going to settle down. And just circle around. Or you could be the second generation Israelites and listen to God and see how he brings you to a place where the walls come tumbling down. All right? So they weren't circling the wall aimlessly. They were spiraling. They were adjusting their movements based on hearing the voice of God. And they moved with purpose around the wall. They had to get to God's promise, but a wall was in the way. So what do you do? You listen to God and circle around the wall until the wall comes tumbling down. Right? They had specific words to do daily. First day, go around the wall once in silence. Try that. Second day, wake up in the morning. Same sun, same everything is the same. You go around the wall. Do the same thing? Yes, do the same thing once. Third day, do the same thing once. You see, isn't that a routine? Yes, that's a routine, but that's not a rut. Because the difference is, God told you to do that. Fourth day, you do the same. Fifth day, you do the same. Sixth day, you do the same. Seventh day, you adjust. That's why it's not a circle, it's a spiral. Because you adjust. God has said, do something different now. Right? Walk around it seven times and then shout as loud as you can. Do you think the shouts brought down the wall? You can have a million people shouting all you want. Walls don't come down. Walls come down because God said so. And the reason why the walls came down is because they were obedient. They were obediently walking around the walls until the walls came tumbling down. Routine, but not rut. Purposeful, but not aimless, circling till the walls came down. The first generation settled for what they decided was best for them. The second generation settled for what was God's best for them. That was the difference. One faced mountains all their lives. The other saw walls come tumbling down. That's why I keep praying for the sick. Even if nothing changes, I keep praying for the sick. Because I see sickness as a wall that needs to come tumbling down. That's why I work with people who struggle with addictions. Because I see addictions as a wall that needs to come tumbling down. That's why I pray for the lost world. Because I see the lost and the hindrance they have 
of on experiencing the love of Jesus Christ as a wall that needs to come down so that they can walk through it. That's why we distribute food parcels once a month to to people who are in need. Why? Because we see poverty as a wall that needs to come tumbling down. To accept sickness, addiction, poverty as my lot in life or my karma will condemn me to a life of circling around a mountain. And I refuse to do that. It will rob us of Christ's promise of abundant life. So I'll treat every obstacle that gets in the way of God's promises as a wall. I'll walk around it every day purposefully. Hearing from God. Praying differently. Doing things differently as He directs me. Not circling, but spiraling forward until the walls come tumbling down. That to me is purposeful Christianity. How do you know if you're circling or spiraling forward? You are circling if you're living an aimless Christian life. You're spiraling forward if you're being the Christian you're purposed to be. What's the Christian you're purposed to be? I'm so glad you asked. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. So when we talk about purposeful Christianity, this is the purpose we as individuals exist on planet Earth. This is the purpose the church exists on planet Earth. Matthew 5.13 You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. I love um, the way Eugene Peterson translated it in the message. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Isn't that nice? You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavor, God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? I love this. Look, sometimes he really mucks up his translation, but this time he really hit it on the nail. Don't hit the nail on the head, right? If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. If this church loses its God flavor, and all we do is just circling around a mountain, we are useless to this community. We are wasting this space. We are salt of the earth. Our, the purpose we exist as individuals and as the church is for God flavor. Then he goes on to say this. So my question to you actually before we go on. Do you bring out God flavors around people? Or do you leave a bad taste in their mouths? That's a tough question for me. But I'll let you overhear that. What's the, so what is the flavor of a Christian? If you ask me that, I'll say this. It's the Trinitarian combo. The love of God the Father. The grace of God the Son. And the comfort of God the Holy Spirit. 
That's the flavor of God. Love, grace, comfort. Whenever we are around people, do we, do we give out the flavor of God's love? Whenever we are around people, do we give out the flavor of Christ's grace? Whenever we are around people, do we give out the flavor of the Holy Spirit's comfort? Love, grace, comfort, God's flavor, godliness. Jesus moves on to say in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, right? You are the light of the world. Not only are you salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Again, the message. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light, light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine! Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. God flavors, God colors. Because when light comes, you see color. Without light, you cannot see color. God flavors, God colors. So while you circle around your walls, Whatever is hindering God's best for your life, treat it as a wall. Circle around it. Don't live your Christian life aimlessly. Don't circle around a mountain. Spiral, spiral forward. Pray differently if you need to until you see those walls come down. Do things differently as God directs you until you see your walls come down. But don't accept anything short of God's best for your life this year. And while you do that, remember, keep God's flavor, keep God's colors. Let me read a final scripture as we close this morning. Circling or spiraling, aimless or purposeful, it's critical that we, that we know the difference. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 to 13, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 13, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. You see, one thing I do know about life, what glitters on earth doesn't glitter in heaven. What glitters on earth doesn't glitter in heaven. You know how I know this? You know where we put our gold? Around our necks, around our fingers, because we want to show the glitter of gold. You know where God puts gold? On the floor. What, 
what is tar for us that we use on the road is gold. God tars his road with gold. What am I trying to say? Things that are glittering on earth aren't, aren't really seen as glitter in heaven. What's glitter in heaven? What's valuable in heaven? Lives, souls, people. People matter to God. And if we are not investing in people, if we are not giving out God flavors, and, and we are not giving out God colors so that the world can see Christ through you, then my dear friends, we are living a purposeless life. One thing is sure, living the life of Christ is the only sure life that has eternal value. So don't circle aimlessly this year. Together, let's spiral forward purposefully. Amen? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.